0: I had asked them, you know, what their financial advisors were doing for them. And it was very much a cookie cutter type of approach. It was, you know, we're putting you in a 60-40 portfolio. The financial advisors collected an asset on their management fee of 1%. The market goes down, then, hey, you know, we just got to ride it out and buy and hold. And I just really saw how poorly the financial services industry was treating them. And just how it's the complete opposite of really the medical community when something is for the benefit of the greater good, that information is shared versus what I, I was experiencing. And I just no longer felt comfortable
1: working in that industry anymore. Welcome to the Real Freedom Show, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Real Freedom, Real Estate Leverage Freedom. We're talking about how people build time and financial freedom through different opportunities in real estate and how they can help other people do that as well, which is what we're going to talk about today. If you guys are interested in starting your financial journey, go to our website, freedomthroughrealestate.com, and get started and, and learn how you can start your financial freedom through real estate. But today's guest here, we've got Rob Natali. He is the founder of North Square Capital, a privately held real estate investment firm based out of Boston, Massachusetts. And your goal is really to help medical professionals buy back their time, expand their wealth, and redirect their funds from Wall Street to Main Street through passive real estate opportunities. And you've got a wide variety of of how you do that. We're so excited, Rob, to have you on the show and share your story. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Talk a little bit about your background and, and kind of how you got into real estate and why, and we'll go from there.
0: Absolutely. So historically, my background really was in the Wall Street world. I worked at a large asset management firm called Columbia Threadneedle Needle Investments, and I covered and worked with financial advisors really on a daily basis based out of the Pacific Northwest. And they had a wide range of assets. They were they were under management. These FAs could be managing twenty million in assets, all the way up to in excess of three billion dollars in assets, almost like a mini family office. And what I really found and experienced was these teams that were managing, you know, billions in assets, really were utilizing a lot of strategies and techniques that a lot of sophisticated investors out there weren't being educated about. They didn't know about him. Even if they did hear about them. they always thought it wasn't for them. And what I'm really speaking to specifically was real estate and real estate syndications. We're pooling assets together to get and acquire into a property that we wouldn't be able to afford on our own. And after a while, like I was talking to my I had three family members in the medical field, financial advisors were doing for them. And it was very much a cookie cutter type of approach. It was, you know, we're putting you in a 60-40 portfolio. The financial advisors collected an asset under management fee of 1%. The market goes down, then, hey, you know, we just got to ride it out and buy and hold. And I just really saw how poorly the financial services industry was treating them. And just how it's the complete opposite of really the medical community when something is for the benefit of the greater good. That information is shared versus what I I was experiencing. And I just no longer felt comfortable working in that industry anymore. So what I ended up doing was, okay, I like this financial advisory aspect. I want to help and educate folks how they can really diversify their portfolio and truly build their wealth buy back their time and expand it through passive real estate investing without the hassles of being a landlord. And that's what led me to start my company now uh, almost two years ago.
1: You know, it's interesting hearing people that have focused on different niches within syndications, you know, whether it's medical professionals, tech professionals, that sort of thing. It's a job or a, an industry that a lot of people would aspire to be in because they think they make a lot of money. And like, oh, once I've achieved that, once I've I'm in the medical professional field, now I've made it, I'm good. And what we find out is, yeah, they they don't have the freedom of time. There's a lot of bureaucracy and issues they have to overcome. And they're actually looking for freedom. They're looking for kind of a way out or to leverage maybe the high incomes that they have. To be able to build that freedom, and a lot of them turn to real estate, which is awesome.
0: Absolutely. Even to add to that, like you're speaking about some of the really the headwinds and the challenges the medical community face, and adding to what you said, I mean, dealing with insurance companies, I know it's just becoming more and more of a stressful situation. Reimbursements, RVUs changing, dealing with M and A's in the healthcare space now. When that happens, contracts are getting renegotiated. So, I mean physicians dentists nurses everyone goes into this field to help and serve others and now in the current environment there's so much other stuff bureaucratic stuff going on where It just makes it more of a challenge and adds stress to the situation.
1: And at least real estate investing gives them, they can start to build up a nest egg or start to build up a little bit of opportunity where, yeah, you you have a little bit more freedom of choice in how you spend your time in, in the medical profession. Absolutely. Talk a little bit then about how you help people find great opportunities. So what I do is
0: I am vetting out the opportunities and vetting out the groups that really bring those opportunities to me. So, for example, uh, let's say it's a 100 plus unit apartment building. Uh, I, I, before I want to talk with that group who acquires those type of assets, 100 plus unit apartment buildings, so I want to really do my due diligence on the group and on the team, Where that includes, you know, doing criminal background checks, learning about their past experience of, OK, when something that has gone wrong, because something's always going to happen during a investment. How did they handle it? What did they learn from it? Get a better understanding too of conflict of interest, how they handle that within their company as well. Because I want to determine is this a group that I feel comfortable working with? And if they're going to be good stewards of capital, not only for my clients' money, but my money as well, because I'm a real estate investor myself. And then if that box is checked, then it's really okay if a deal comes, an opportunity, specific opportunity comes vetting out that individual opportunity, looking through the underwriting, does their projected business plan based on the area of where we are in the country make sense? And if I have the confidence, if they're going through those two scenarios, do I feel comfortable working with a group? Do I feel comfortable in the individual deal? What I then do is then I present that to my clients and say, hey, would you like to partner Along myself and North Square Capital in this investment opportunity, we all go in together as limited partners. Again, we experience the cash flow, the appreciation, and the tax benefits that comes with real estate investing. And we're relying on the general partners to execute the business plan. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do at a very high level.
1: So, what types of opportunities? Then you'd mention, you know, hundred 100- hundred. Unit Plus apartments, and I know the answer to this, but for our listeners' sake, like, yeah, what, where are you sure. looking, and what types of opportunities maybe would be those strong ones that you put in fr- front of people?
0: Yeah, so the three right now that the major focus is is one talked about as a multifamily and apartment buildings. Uh, a couple of brief bullet points I'll, I'll list on each. Folks, there's such a supply demand imbalance as far as single family homes and the cost to buy into a home. Is extremely high. Mortgage rates are six and a quarter to 7%. So the affordability isn't there. So people always need a place to live. Another component, another group that we just partnered with is on the short term rental portfolio. So working with a group who is really institutionalizing a space that as of right now is extremely challenging to do. Think about those who own an Airbnb out there or own a short term rental. Uh, the work that's required, not only from the turnover perspective, when you get new guests to come in, so the property management upkeep, or if you have someone who unfortunately does some damage to your place, you got to fix that. This is a group that has brought everything together in house to bring this to marketplace. Uh, the name of the group is TechVestor. They are the, really the only ones that are mastering this. Mm-hmm. And the last is a real estate debt fund. So think of that as a You know, a high yield savings account on on Hyperdrive. Right now you can find a high yield savings account five, five and a quarter percent. This pays somewhere between eight and nine percent. It's got 90-day liquidity and it's all backed by real estate on the first position, meaning in case if the borrower ever did default, the the group, the operator that I'm partnering with, they can take control of that property. Mm -hmm. So those are the three asset classes: multifamily. Short-term rental portfolio and then a real estate debt fund that we're focused on currently in the first, you know, first half of the year in the foreseeable future.
1: That's great. And and it's it's such a great service because if I'm a medical professional, I I don't have time. Like I might have the interest in real estate. Like I know I yeah. want to invest. I might have a little bit of time. I might have a few connections to agents or brokers or people that do invest. But for you, you're really doing all the heavy lifting of vetting out the people you know, obviously people want to invest with people they know like and trust and yeah. have built up a reputation. And so you're doing a lot of that work for them. and so they they need to trust you and know that you're you're doing a good job of vetting these people out, but it saves them a ton of time and a ton of hassle um, to be able to kind of have pre-vetted out opportunities that they can just say, here we here we go.
0: yeah, no. and another way to think of it too from an analogy perspective is, like the pa- a patient physician, when you have a conversation, you go in to see a doctor, right? You go in, you might not, you don't know what you don't know sometimes for those out there, right? There might be questions that you should be asking or things that you should be thinking of that you just don't because it's not in your peripheral. And it's kind of the same deal with with Mike, yourself, and, and myself, like being in this day-to-day as professionals, like doing that vetting and asking the questions that we know to ask to make sure that we're vetting out these opportunities properly to then present them to our prospective clients and, and our clients.
1: Yeah. And I know what, you know, it's interesting having worked with investors for a while now is people have different preferences. They have different risk tolerances. And so they may feel more comfortable investing in something um, that's a, a better fit for what they're looking to get out of it. It also might matter to what type of money that they're putting in, whether it's mm-hmm. cash, whether it's self-directed IRA, whether it's home equity lines that they're pulling from, whatever that might be. And so you get to kind of match the desired outcome with where where they're comfortable putting their money in and give them some options.
0: Yep, Exactly whether well, the cash flow is number one if it's appreciation it's liquidity you're spot on
1: so if I was on the outside here and I was looking to invest into some of these you know larger opportunities what what advice would you give give to people
0: yeah so the first thing is definitely get educated right number one as far as listening to podcasts like yourself Mike or reading different blogs or articles I myself which I'm happy to share with everybody I've created an educational ebook it's called, uh, the financial RX playbook, how medical professionals win through passive real estate investing. And really, what that covers and goes over is some of the current challenges that the medical community currently face. And then also talks about the benefits and the risks that come along with this type of investing. Because this type of investing isn't for everybody. So to kind of go back to Mike, how would people maybe want to invest outside of getting educated? The first time I ever speak with somebody. We always have what I call a discovery slash clarity call. And again, I want to use that physician-patient analogy Whereas, if I'm, we're just doing a little role reversal where let's say I'm kind of acting as the physician and you're the patient where I'm asking you questions about your financial background, your experience, what your goals are. The whole, and what I want to determine is, hey, is this type of investing right for you? If it is great, then we can keep you abreast of Future opportunities, but then if it's not, then let's talk about some different ways that we we can help you in a, in the financial aspect in the investing world. Kind of making a referral to somewhere else. Again, using mm-hmm. that medical analogy. So that's a, every time we get a first conversation with somebody, it's always a discovery clarity call uh, to discuss this to see if it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and right fit is the right word because you know you're not going to make somebody put money into something they don't want to do. You're just going to help give them some good opportunities and let them make a good, good educated decision.
0: Correct. It's kind of, I know when, you know, physicians, they're going through the, their schooling and they take right. The Hippocratic oath and right. First do no harm. So for me, I've kind of adopted something more than it's the financial for me, the financial Hippocratic oath is, you know, one is like, right. It's do not lose money. It is, protecting my investors money first and foremost and obviously then helping it grow through real estate.
1: And why would somebody consider doing uh, a syndication or something large like this in another yep. state that they don't know versus working with a local person that's flipping or something like that. Like talk a little bit about the economies of the scale with these large people, these larger investors versus kind of the the mom and pop opportunities.
0: Yeah, so one of the benefits of going through let's say a larger investor doing a syndication model is the tax benefits piece and keeping more, right? Of keeping more of what you earn. So one of the features when you're getting into this side of investing is right, everyone's familiar I think more or less with, you know, depreciation of real estate, straight-line appreciation of 27 and a half years. Well, without getting too deep in the weeds on these commercial type properties, you can utilize something called a, a cost segregation study. And what happens is an engineer will go, you bring them in and they are hypothetically tearing down the property and breaking each di- each individual bucket or component into a lifespan. So personal properties, five to seven years, land improvements, 15 years, then you have your straight line. So what happens is you are speeding up, essentially the lifespan, of the overall building. And what that means is you can take, you're increasing your upfront depreciation. You're taking a a paper loss, a higher paper loss while you're investing. And why is that good is you get a K-1 every year that shows your ownership in the property. You can take those paper losses and offset them against some of your other passive gains that you might have with some of your other investments
1: there's a lot of great benefits. And then obviously the, the, the passive piece, right? Like I don't have to, um, I can't be involved in the decision-making or any of that back end stuff. And so they get to be there and essentially just receive updates and, and know what's going on with the investment, but you don't, you're not going to get the, the clogged toilet call in the middle of the night. You're not going to get the, what do we, what do we do here strategically? Because that's all being handled by the people that, that are running and managing that asset.
0: Correct. Exactly. Because when you go in as a limited partner, you are limited. And that is to your point, Mike, you're not dealing with, I say, the three T's like the trash, the tenants or the toilets and dealing with the operations of executing the business plan. That is where you are relying on the professional expertise of the of the general partners to do that.
1: Yeah, I always explain it like an assembly line of of a real estate investment. Each person kind of has their own spot on the assembly line and and the person giving the providing the capital is equally as important as the other folks, but they don't have to handle all the other stuff and the people that have the experience have manage multiple assets maybe seen some upturns and downturns in in the real estate cycle they can handle that stuff and then you're utilizing your your capital for it so it really is kind of the the best of a lot of worlds what would maybe be some reasons that you've heard from folks of maybe why they're not choosing to invest in some of these deals
0: sure the bi- the biggest piece i've heard is the lack of liquidity so this is these are e liquid investments so typical hold period is somewhere between three to five years. So if they're if it's individuals who you know they, they maybe want to invest, typical minimum investments somewhere around fifty to one hundred thousand. But they like all the ideas and components of it, but three to five year timeframe is you know it's kind of it's too long for them. Then no, that that definitely makes it not a good fit for them for this type of investing as on the syndication real estate side now the debt funds different the debt fund mm-hmm. is 90 day liquidity which that's where it's like high yield savings on steroids component the other piece is if individuals are they want to be the pilot versus the passenger mm-hmm. i've encountered some individuals who were extremely extremely uh, type a where they want to be in control of everything uh, they want to be doing things and they wanna be the one running the show. And if that's the case, then you know being a passive investor obviously isn't going to be the best fit for them. Those are the two.
1: For people that have been successful in the medical field, you're used to calling the shots, you're used to doing your own thing the way that you want to do it for, for the for the most part. I mean, obviously you still have to answer to higher powers in the in the field, but I can see that. But I think too part of it is just recognizing. I'm a pro in the medical field. I don't have to yep. be a pro in the real estate field. And yet I can trust them. We we trust medical professionals with our bodies, right? They come in yep. and say, hey, I know what I'm doing. I can help you in the yep. same way. Hopefully the real estate professionals can say, I know what I'm doing. I can help you. And the yep. medical professionals can kind of tr- trust that and move forward. But yeah, it isn't a right fit. Um, but you also don't get an opportunity to, to be a part of these big deals with $50,000 um, without being a part of, of a syndication like this.
0: Yeah, no, you make a, a good point too, Mike. It's kind of similar to, right, if someone wants to go about and learning this on their own, right? Well, as opposed to then, if you want to go and try to become as knowledgeable in, let's say, in the real estate world, as you are as your current profession, let's say, right, as a, as a physician, how much, what if you spent that time on your current role? How much better could you potentially become as a physician, right? And impact the lives of those that versus trying to really become, that just comes down to the time aspect, right? I'm trying to, there's just not enough time.
1: It's a challenge. So yeah, you you certainly have to trust people. So that's where yeah. the relationship building is really important because mm-hmm. if you have a great relationship with somebody, it's like, oh, I know Rob's done a good job of vetting out these people. I can trust that. Well, then you do get the best of all worlds um, by being able to, to trust the work that you're doing. Talk a little bit about the future, maybe some opportunities or some things that you're looking to do as you continue to grow North Square Capital and help investors out.
0: Yeah. So as far as you know in in the future as far as investment wise, yeah. Like we just launched, we're raising it on a short term rental portfolio that we're partnering with a group called Techvestor, which we're really excited about. That's 50,000 minimum investment. We're looking at equity multiple of really eight to nine percent, or excuse me, that's an average cash flow, eight to nine percent, equity multiple, 1.9. And again, what I'm excited about is. For all those who've stayed in Airbnb, you know, how many of you out there have stayed in Airbnb and the pictures weren't what they looked to be or just like the experience left a lot lacking, right? This is, this group is really bringing and institutionalizing this. Like I said, it and without getting too deep in the weeds, I can share more info if anyone please feel free to reach out to me. I'll share my contact info at the end that I'm really jazzed up about. And the other, again, opportunity that's going to launch in a couple of weeks is, and this is as of you know, end of February of 2024, a debt fund where it's individuals who just have money sitting in a savings or checkings account, and, You know, they but they want to get some decent yield on that money. But if they need to get it out, they can within, let's say, 90 days, average four to six weeks that's the other opportunity we're having. So like you asked before Mike, you know, everyone's got different flavors and tastes of what they're looking to accomplish, right? Investing in real estate. That's what I'm looking to do is provide different opportunities within the real estate world that's going to be a fit for whatever you're looking to accomplish.
1: Now, how does that work real quick on you yeah. know, you're you're taking part, you're, you know, if somebody's having a let's just say For extreme circumstances, like in a thousand unit complex or whatever, like you're not bringing all the money for that deal. You're bringing a portion of that. Correct. So like your investors are bringing some sort of percentage of the total raise. So kind of talk about how that works. You partnering with other people to do these larger. deals. Yeah.
0: So what we do, Mike, is we create something called uh, a fund of funds. Okay. And what that means is I am creating a specific fund for a specific investment opportunity. So what happens is my prospective clients, and I refer to them also as partners, they will invest into my fund. Okay. And then my fund then will go invest in that specific opportunity. Now, why we do that is a couple of really major reasons. One, from a compliance standpoint. Two, by us all pooling our assets together and coming in one fund, I'm able to negotiate with the general partners better return profiles for not only for myself, but also for my clients. Like, for example, with Techvester, if you invested directly through them, it's a 7% preferred return and then a waterfall structure of 70 30 versus. Someone invests through my fund, then we go through tech, and then it goes into TechVestor. They get a 9% preferred return and an 80-20 waterfall. Mm-hmm. And really the other bucket too is by investing directly through, let's say, one of my fund, I have a very well-established relationship with the general partners, or if I need to get in touch with them, I can get in touch with them very quickly, whether it be phone, call, text, et cetera. And I am acting again as the champion for all of us through Mm -hmm. these. So it's communication, it's investment returns are some of the major benefits. Why we really in the compliance piece for why we're doing the fund of funds model.
1: So they get a they get the feel of a much larger footprint in the deal based on the percentage of capital that they're investing into that deal. So they get to kind of be be a bigger player while still putting in a smaller portion. Yep awesome well thank you so much rob for for coming on and and sharing and talking about your company people that want to reach out to you how can they do so
0: yeah so across a variety of different social media channels i'm most active on instagram so it's my first name and last name it's rob natali and then underscore they can also find me at northsquarecapital.com again i am also on linkedin those are are the major three but for the most immediate you can just ping me right on Instagram rob underscore and then you can also message me about that ebook I spoke to about earlier against the financial RX playbook how medical professionals win through passive real estate investing
1: great well thank you so much for coming on and sharing and excited to see how you're helping people in the medical professional space and, and best of luck as you continue to grow
0: awesome thanks a lot Mike I appreciate you taking